Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast presented by Big O Tires. It's Monday, February 10th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy is winging his way to surprise Arizona today, but we tracked him down before wheels up. We talk about what's new with the Royals, like the owner and the manager, who's returning, like Salvador Perez, newcomers like Michael Franco, and we address questions heading into spring training, which begins this week. Pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday, but our first spring training report is today. Here's Lynn. Well, through the miracle of podcasts, we are actually recording this while you're flying. No, no, we're not. Uh, but Lynn Worthy is here. He is uh, He's here and he's in Arizona at the same time. And how does that happen? Well, we're running this on Monday, and, but recording it Friday before Lynn takes off for spring training. Uh, it's been kind of a quiet lead up to spring training in Kansas City, Lynn. I wonder why that is. Uh, I think a little bit of folks have been distracted by this uh, this football team here, this football team parade, um, some big game that took place down in Florida. The uh, yeah, the Kansas City Eleven um, had a had a nice run here at the end, and uh, but so the, the 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 championship is won, the parade is completed, and it's time to shift attention to. Chiefs offseason. No. Um. Well, you know, a couple a couple of guys were down there. Um, at least Whit Merrifield and Alex Gordon were in the stands doing, uh, you know, Instagram videos and, and uh, having a ball watching the Chiefs bring home championships. I saw that. I, um, I, I saw the Whit Merrifield. Uh, Instagram. I didn't see Alex, but I heard yeah, he, he was, was there. He was in there. He was at the, at the very end of it. I think Whit turns the, um, like you see Alex sort of pop in from the side and say something. And so yeah, they were both there. And we know Miami resident Salvador Perez. Uh, yeah, there's was it, was there's it, almost a uh, almost like a Royals, um, you know, South uh, contingent that I don't know if they made it to the game, but that works out there. I mean, with Salvi um, now bench coach uh, Pedro Grafal. Jorge Soler, um, new addition Mikael Franco, and some of the younger guys all work out in uh, Miami during the offseason. So there's a bunch of guys who are probably, uh, you know, baseballs throw away from where all the action was happening. We talked about it. We'll get into the Royals here in a second. But we, we, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. I think because the teams share the parking lot, there's a lot of just they know each other. Royals go to Chiefs games. Chiefs go to Royals games. I suspect we'll see – Many first pitches thrown out by <laughs> uh, by Chiefs Hoffman Stadium this year, and, and I'm sure the, the Royals will have some sort of Chiefs celebration early in the season. Maybe that doesn't happen in cities that don't share the space the way Royals and Chiefs do. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind because just um, growing up in New England and Boston, you had a bunch of teams, but a lot of the teams were spread out, or at least just like the Patriots are spread sure. out compared to the teams that are right in Boston. And there is some crossover, but it's, I don't think it's as, I mean, it seems a lot of it is more, I don't want to say contrived, but it's not as natural as it is when the, the parking lots are so close and the teams, you know, the seasons overlap a little bit. And so the guys are in the town at the same time. It's just, um, it's a little, it's more organic that way, I think, and just a natural thing. Talk about the Royals. One of the things that occurs to me thematically for the Royals as you head to, to uh, surprise is new manager, new owner. Maybe we should go that do that in reverse order. New owner, new manager, new third baseman. There is uh, there are elements of the Royals that are completely different than what you experienced covering the Royals last year. Any idea or any thoughts on how different spring training is going to operate under Mike Matheny and? It, 
I know you only had the one year of Ned Yost to, com- to compare it to, and you probably have to wait to get down there to see, but anything that you've heard or seen from Mike Matheny that, to suggest that uh, this would be a little different? No, I was thinking about that this week, trying to think of like what difference will we, and that was one of the, sort of like the questions in my mind going into spring training is what difference will we see under Mike Matheny? And I'm not sure if you'll really see it in spring training just because a lot of spring training, the planning and organization is done by usually a bench coach or somebody like that. So in this case, somebody like Pedro Grafal might be doing a lot of that who's been around, who's been part of the organization for several years. Um, so I don't know if you'll see it. And even if you see some changes, I don't know how much of that is you can point to and say that's Matheny imprint or if that's just, you know, staff changes that they've had this season. Um, and, you know, whether it's a, a Ned thing or a Matheny thing. or um, I am interested just to see if there's going to be a difference that you notice on a day-to-day basis, whether it's the, the atmosphere or the way they go about certain things or the things the way things are paced. But um, then the other thing that came to mind was a lot of stuff that they've changed just in the last couple of years. I think they did some timing changes, which weren't really a Ned thing. It was more of a sports science, like the the people, sports performance people suggested. So um, I'm interested to see what it's going to be. I'm just not sure if we're going to be able to get a whole lot from that on if that's going to be a Matheny thing or if it's just an organizational type thing. I'm kind of wondering how, how often you'll see John Sherman. How, will he be hanging around, going from – you know, field to field, or how, how often do you expect to see him? I don't think he's going to be a daily presence, but I expect him to be there at least, uh, you know, at some point. And I don't know that it'll be a, a, there's going to be a big presence in terms of you'll know he's here and that he's watching this field or that field. I think it's going to probably try more to blend in. I mean, he's been, he's been an owner before. He knows how it works. I mean, I'm sure he'll keep an eye out and he'll probably be meeting with staff and, you know, talk to Dayton and those guys just to stay up on things. Um, but I don't know that it's going to be a, you know, Everybody, sh- or everybody, all right, let's get this buckle down. Like, hey, that's, that's, owners that's, here. That's, yeah, you better, better look good on those PFPs. The, the owner's watching you. <laughs> um, so I expect he'll be around, but I just don't think it's going to be, you know, change a whole lot. But it's just going to be, it'll be different in that people will probably notice it because of the new faces and the, these people who are in these new positions. So I think that might be what the difference is. I don't know if it'll be much of a difference to players on the field. I'll be curious to see if he gets around on – uh, on his legs, run a golf cart because that's <laughs> spring training is about the golf carts uh, and getting getting around for for some folks down there. Because how many fields? I mean, we're talking about a handful of fields. Yeah, there's to. upper fields, there's lower fields, and then for some reason in my head, I want to say four, but I feel like there's more than four because once you get to the upper fields, there's multiple fields that are all yeah, yeah. right next to each other. So I think it's probably more like six or eight fields, but um, uh, probably should know, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I know I'd like a golf cart, but I don't think anybody's doing that for <laughs> no, me. No, so. no, 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 no <laughs> helping you out on that i've told uh people that go to spring training that it is look the, the royals want you to come to games at kaufman stadium and and uh and it's a great experience to go to see major league baseball game but if you if your idea is to you know get close to the fan get close to the players and just be close up to see you even if you don't see games the part of spring training that's open to the public before games start is really you know fascinating to me. I mean, you you, you can you can watch some um, some players go through drills or something. You can actually kind of be, I've seen people walk with them from field to field and get autographs and oh yeah, it's yeah. really it's really a closeness that you, you that you don't have during the regular season. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it during a regular season because you're you know once things get to actual games and you're in the ballparks and everything's so formal and you got to sort of keep that separation. But spring training, it's like. 
if you if you ever went to I mean I don't want to say little league but like if you're high school or legion or something like that where it's you know it's these fields where you're not that far away where you can stand at the backstop and watch what's going on and they can hear you <laughs> I mean like it's it's that close that type of a thing in spring training and you know when you get all the minor leaguers there and things like that I mean like you might you might be able to walk right up to some of these guys who are on the minor league side and you know have a short conversation with a Bobby Witt Jr. or somebody like that so um, it's that close of an environment I mean, there's nothing like that in, in Major League Baseball. I mean, even Minor League Baseball, I covered it for a long year. You get closer, I think, in some of those small settings, but it's still it's different than spring training. Okay, let's talk about uh, the one of the latest acquisitions and, and what the expectation for Michael Franco is. Penciled in as the starting third baseman. You know, I thought it was interesting that they started that the Royals started talking about moving Hunter Dozier around before they signed Franco. So. Uh, so I don't know if they had that in mind when when those conversations were happening, but they they foreshadowed they foreshadowed the signing of, of yeah of yeah. Franco. I mean it was we saw Hunter Dozer play some outfield last year at the end of the season, and at the time it was trying to get a lot of guys into the lineup and get a looks at a lot of guys. But when Dayton came out and sort of you know firmly said it at the winter meetings as though that this is something that they were definitely looking at, and Matheny sort of you know seconded that you're like okay well then there's probably something out there that they're hoping to execute. Uh, you didn't know for sure it was Franco. I mean, his name was one of the ones that was out there. But then after they did it and just even the last you know couple of weeks talking to people and realizing how much familiarity there was with Franco, I mean, um, not that he was necessarily one of those guys that they tried to sign when he first came out, but they knew of him for years now. Um, assistant general manager Renee Francisco was the general manager of the winter ball team he played on when he was one of the top 100 prospects in minor league baseball. Um, so they've followed him since then. Um, I think, um, you know, they've known of him. And I mean, again, top one of the guys who's top 100 prospect. In fact, everybody in baseball knows the type of a talent. Um, he's one of those guys who just, you know, was a sort of a next level sort of an athlete, even seen him in the minors, which I got to do, I think it was 2013 or 14, just when uh, happened to cross paths. So the guy who was, you know, a good third baseman defensively, 20 home run guy in the major leagues for three straight years, and he's still only 27, I think he just turned 27. So for him to be able to slot in there and then you can put Dozier in the outfield and now it looks like an outfield where you're talking about Alex Gordon, Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, and then Soler probably mixing some in at right field and some at DH. It sort of solidifies some things where you had a lot of moving parts and you weren't sure about, you know, who was going to slot in some places. And he's a guy who potentially, I mean, I think they think there's still upside there for a guy who's, you know, who was looking like one of the best young players in baseball and then just sort of dropped off the last couple of years. The age is right. I mean, just should be like entering his prime at 27, as you mentioned. His slash numbers dipped last year. What was the – any explanation for that? Some of it, I think, was, um, you know, the old bad luck thing where his batting average on balls in play at the time that they actually sent him down at one point last season was one of the worst of anybody who qualified. So that's, you know, literally the, once you put the ball in play, what happens with it is something you can't really control. And so that's that batting average on balls in play is one of those things that sort of measures that, like, if you – you're just getting, you know, tough breaks. <laughs> if you're if you're getting if everything fine in a hole, those sorts of things. This is one of those stats that kind of measures that. And it was one of the, I think it was the worst or one of the top of the bottom three of anybody who qualified at that time. He has worked on, and the Phillies were trying to get him to work on, I believe, um, trying to get a better launch angle because um, he puts a lot of balls on the ground. And for a guy with that type of power, um, and he's not a particularly fleet of foot 
ground balls just aren't going to help um, help him put up like, some significant right. numbers. And so last year was bad for that. But a lot of the numbers didn't change. That was the one thing that was sort of weird is like his hard hit rate, his I mean, his launch angle had been similar for past years, his walk rate, strike rate, not a lot of that changed. So it was one of those things where you look at it and you say the things that he did the year where he was hitting like 270 and 25 homers and 90 RBIs, whatever the numbers were, weren't that different than what he did last year. Just the numbers didn't come out that much. And um, he's already been working with you know the staff down in Miami this offseason on some things, some changes that they think is going to make him more comfortable at the plate. Spent some extra time down there. I read from your story. He was supposed to be down there for a week, and they were working with him yeah. for close to a month. Yeah, yeah. He he went down there and just sort of, you know, got he got grinding and just didn't want to stop. I mean, he, he was up early every day working, you know, in the gym, um, working, then going working with uh, Pedro Grafal, Mike Tozar. You know, there's a group of the guys out there, Salvador Perez, Jorge Soler, some of the young guys, MJ Melendez, um, who work out there every off season, And he jumped right in with that group and just, you know, made himself sort of a part of that group. And so far, we talked to him at uh, FanFest. It seems like he's just really anxious to be part of this new organization, new team, even got a new look where Salvi said he didn't recognize him when he saw him in the gym because he'd cut off all the dreadlocks. But, yeah, he's um, he's ready to go. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get up to speed with a couple of players who didn't finish last year. Salvador Perez didn't play at all last year because of Tommy John. But Alberto Montesi uh, did not finish the season, had some shoulder surgery. Is the expectation that he is um, – will he start spring training or are they just hopeful that he's going to be ready for opening day? He's still rehabbing um, the latest. As a matter of fact, I think the Royals just put up a video uh, recently on their social media. and it's, I think it's basically every two weeks there's going to be another checkup to see if he's going to be cleared to do a little bit more. He's swinging from the left side of the plate, I believe, right now, not the right side yet. Um, but he's been taking ground balls, throwing. Um, he's not cleared to actually dive for balls yet. Uh, so he still has some steps to, to take. But... Um, He'll be participating, I believe, as soon as they start spring training. I just don't know if he'll be full go. And then, so he may not be, probably won't be playing in games as soon as the games start. But it sounds like he may be cleared to play in games before they leave. And so there's, they're still looking at opening day as a possibility because they had said opening day months ago. And so I had asked Dayton again at the Fan Fest because I was like, is opening day sort of a, we think he'll be fully healthy by opening day sort of a thing? Or was this a, he'll be ready to play in games opening day. And they think playing games is still a possibility for him for opening day. Okay, and Salvi's update, what's... Uh... Salvi is, I don't think there's much more as far as hurt. He's made a few more hurdles for him, but he's been thrown to the bases as of a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's taking batting practice. So he still has to get a couple of evaluations for them to give him full clearance, but they think he's going to be full go for opening day. Um, it may be that once he starts playing, they give him more off days. That's sounds like the plan they've talked about him maybe dh first base not being behind the plate every day but they expect him to be ready for opening day too okay so let's just assume that both uh Mondesi and perez will, will appear on opening day it looks like the looks like the lineup is set for opening day if ryan o'hearn at first nicky lopez Mondesi, franco and then around the outfield gordon Whit Merrifield in center and Dozier in right is that is that what we're looking at? most likely I mean that's in um, like I say if both those guys are healthy it seems like that's what you're looking at you probably put Soler at DH and Salvi DH, behind Soler, the plate DH, right? you know uh, yeah Soler you know don't forget about the guy who led the AL <laughs> no, home runs <laughs> that's right he did the impossible um, and, yeah uh, in Kauffman Stadium yep. which is 
the worst hitters for a right-handed <laughs> hitter ballpark in the major leagues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that in their lineup, when you think about the fact that they didn't have Salvi last year and you had Franco, it seems like it, the lineup could really lengthen out. I mean, I don't know where they're thinking about batting Gordon, but, you know, you could see, like, it could be feasibly where Gordon's batting, you know, six, seven, eight in that lineup, something like that. I mean, probably not eight, but, I mean, um, depending on how you want to do with the lefties and everything. Um, so, in theory, it seems like the lineup lengthens out a lot this year, and it looks like there could be more of a stable lineup, even though there's still the talk about, well, you know, you're going to have to put uh, Solaire probably gets some time in the outfield, whether or not Dozier's always going to be in right field, whether or not Salvi's going to end up taking some DH or first base time. So there'll be still some mixing and matching, but it seems like you've got a pretty solid look as far as, you know, every day having guys in the same spots. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about uh, pitching, and I think there's some, some questions there that uh, that are interesting with with some prospects. We'll be back right after this. Our biggest tire sale of the year happening now at Big O Tires. Buy two tires, get two free on select tires in stock. That's two tires free when you buy an alignment and tire protection package. That's 50% off tires at Big O Tires. It's going on now, but it all ends soon. Buy two tires, get two free at all participating Big O Tires. Installation additional plus shop fee of up to 10% of non-discounted retail price, not to exceed $35. Hurry, sale ends Monday, President's Day. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Lynn Worthy, the Star's Royals beat writer, is here. And he's in Arizona at the same time. It's it's really amazing. Um, actually, we're recording this on Friday and and uh, presenting it as spring training opens up. What's the exact that when pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday? Tuesday, okay. Yeah. And, so, then, and then the first full workout is supposed to be Wednesday. Well, first workout for pitchers and catchers Wednesday. Uh, I want to say seventeenth is for. Um, remember, is that the report date for? full squad i think i want to say it's the report that i'm not not looking at it but i know it's um about the week next week that everybody else will be that have to be there and then full workout after that and so we're really only you know we're less than two weeks from full workouts and everybody being in camp and getting the thing going full steam the uh starting rotation seems th- there are candidates that i don't know, locked in maybe too strong a word but you could project, you know. Yeah, you could probably three or four of these guys. Probably right? pencil in about four guys at least right now to start the season, between the, you know the lefties, uh, Danny Duffy and Mike Montgomery, and then Brad Keller and uh, and, um, and Junis. Jacob Junis is the right-handers, um, the two younger guys um, coming off of you know they're still fairly early on in their careers as starters, um, whereas Duffy and, and Montgomery have been around, um, and then that fifth spot is. Might be one of the most uh, intriguing questions of the camp is just figuring out who's going to be in it, 
might be more interesting who's not just because you know you don't know whether or not some of these prospects whether they'll pull the trigger on putting somebody one of them in that fifth starter spot to start off the season but it's a possibility and nobody's shooting it down and Dayton hasn't shot it down um Athena hasn't shot it down and uh they're all being camp. It's all, it's almost like they're inviting them to be that guy. You know, they come come get it because it's it's here and it's available for you. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it was sort of interesting to hear Dayton basically say, mm-hmm. you know, when asked about adding somebody to maybe fill that fifth starter spot, for him to almost mention like you don't want to block these guys is you know I mean I think for Royals fans it's probably a little. Uh, exciting to hear that just the fact that like okay you, you maybe thought okay well they're going to plug somebody in there and not let these guys get there yet but they're sort of leaving the door open for maybe a Brady Singer or a Jackson Kowar who you know uh, I mentioned those guys specifically because they were at double a last year um, I don't know if guys who gone from who were just at a ball last year would make that big jump but those two guys pitched the double a spent significant time there um, are pretty much knocking on the door and had success at those levels um could one of them be in the fifth starter spot? I mean, it's a it's a real possibility, at least right now, as we sit here. Daniel Lynch is another name that I've I've heard is a possibility, but also but not as maybe. Yeah, he was he he was behind a little bit last year because he had a, a little bit of an elbow thing that kept him out for I think it was better part of a month. Um, so he missed time during the minor league season. Otherwise, he probably would have gone up to Double A. It seems like, um, and then he got some more innings in at the Arizona Fall League basically because he missed so much time. Um, so he's another one, and he's a left-hander who throws hard. Who um, some people have him, some of the publications have him listed as the top pitching prospect above Jackson Kowar and Brady Singer um so yeah he's another one I just you know the fact that he hasn't pitched above single a is the only thing that makes me hesitate but I mean I they're not ruling anybody out I mean these guys are all being big league camp and are all going to get their chance to show what they can do and some other names that are familiar to Royals fans and guys that have had moments for the Royals Sparkman Glenn Sparkman um, Lopez, Jorge Lopez, and uh, Eric Scoglin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they've pretty much said, and and Dayton has been saying this going back to when we when I spoke to him at the winter, not the winter meetings, the GM meetings, that they want to have Sparkman and uh, Lopez in the bullpen. They feel like that's the role that they should be in the last couple of years because of the pitching, the lack of depth, and the lack of options. Both of them have started at times, um, but. The bullpen really seems like the role, and and the bullpen is an area that they've really looked to try and shore up this off season. That's going to be another spot to try and figure out who's not going to be in those spots in the bullpen because the bullpen. I mean, pitching staff as a whole last season was I think bottom four in the majors in ERA, WHIP, batting average against, um, uh, strikeout per nine, walk per. Nine. I mean, like the pitching staff just is it's a glaring weakness that needs to be taken care of, and the bullpen was just as bad as the starters, probably worse in a lot of cases statistically. So they're trying to shore that up. And you talk about, you know, moving Lopez and Sparkman, adding some guys, um, whether that's Trevor uh, Trevor Rosenthal, Greg Holland, who they signed to a minor league deal um, just in the last couple of weeks. Um, talking about, you know, some of the uh, Rule 5 pick, Stephen Woods Jr., Braden Shipley, they signed a minor league deal. So there's a lot of different options along with the guys coming up from the minors and the guys who are back again to try and shore up that bullpen. So they're they're definitely focused on trying to come up with a better bullpen because early in the season, I think it sort of took some of the whatever win there was in the sales. It got taken out fairly early last season in April by them blowing saves and not knowing 
who was going to be able to they're going to be able to rely on. And remember, they didn't put um, Ian Kennedy into the closers role until like late May. So uh, I think they're trying to avoid that. Yeah, and and two of the you know we we mentioned uh, in, the, in the first part of the of the podcast, uh, Michael Franco, one of the intriguing offseason acquisitions. You just mentioned a couple others, Trevor Rosenthal and Greg Holland. Royals fans will, you know, be forever, you know, a fan of Greg Holland after his his postseason effort in 2014 when he had seven saves in the postseason for the Royals. was just phenomenal. Lights out good. I can remember uh, in the ALDS that year in California during the series, him flying home to North Carolina to be with his his wife for the birth of their – their son, and then he flew back that that uh, that night. had to, had to talk his way into the stadium in California, uh, in Anaheim for um, for the game. So uh, there's a lot of you know he'll join at least in spring training. Perez, uh, Duffy, and Gordon, I guess, as the the leftovers from the the World Series teams in yeah. 14 and 15. Trevor Rosenthal with a really interesting background. He's from here. He's a Kansas City. He is. And, and had some really, really nice years with the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, I mean, I'm trying to remember what the numbers were, but, I mean, he's one of those guys who was an all-star closer, familiar with Mike Matheny. He's actually, he talked to, that it sounds like it, that played a big part in him signing here um, this season because Matheny taken over, and they've still stayed in touch even, you know, with him going other places and Matheny not being a manager the last year. Um, so him, a local guy, too. And Holland also was another guy who's uh, got that familiarity with Matheny. So there's going to be some options. The thing with those guys is, you know, the last couple of years has been some, you know, some shaky, you know, performance. So um, there's been injuries that they're coming back from um, where command hasn't been what it had been in pe- previous years. If you're optimistic, you hope that a year removed brings back some of that command and gives them a little bit more, um, you know, back gives them closer to where they had been before. But time will tell. That's why, you know, that's why some of these guys are available and why you can get them on minor league deals. But um, you're hoping to catch lightning in the bottle. All right. Well, then we're going to wrap it up. I appreciate you stopping by before you head out and safe travels to Arizona. And really looking forward to seeing how spring training unfolds with, as we said, new manager, new owner, some, some new faces and some old faces in some new places really intrigued to see if how, how strong Salvador Perez comes back from his uh, from his Tommy John surgery and as you said pitching will be uh, maybe the job one for the Royals down there get that straightened out seems like their lineup is uh, it's set whether it's a potent lineup or not it's, it is set and they do have you know the American League home run champion uh, base hit champion they've, they've got there's talent in the lineup can they get the pitching? Um, can they get the p- pitching straightened out, especially the bullpen? Is that your? Should that be the number one priority for the Royals down there? Yeah, I think the pitching is going to be, you know, for the the fifth starter spot, and who's actually going to be able to be relied upon in that bullpen will be the major. The first two questions in my mind, the major questions that need to be answered. Um, like you said, there's a lot of things that uh, will be intriguing to see how they unfold and once you get into the season, how guys actually perform, but that's all down the line. You can't really predict those. Um, the The pitching is definitely going to be the biggest question mark, and then after that, I think the thing I'll be looking forward to the most is just that Arizona weather. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We had a good in Miami recently. So, All right, Lynn. Thanks a lot. Thanks. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producers Derek Donovan and Randy Mason. Links to Royal Stories can be found in the show notes 
the True Blue app and on KansasCity.com. Hey, did you know Sports BKC is available on YouTube? Sure is. That's where I've been going to listen to the current and back episodes. It's also available on KansasCity.com and just about everywhere else you access podcasts. Where you can, how about leaving us a comment and a like? Those help. A shout-out to Clinton Blake McKenzie and V. Walburn for your recent kind words. Really appreciate it. We'll be back on Tuesday for another Sports BKC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Every day.